Blog Talk Radio. Just going 
sections of the book, even uh, the various sections of each chapter. Uh, yeah, Ayana, she, she deals with the fact that, indeed, with her being recognized uh, throughout the, if not the country, indeed the world, as being uh, a leading authority on the spirituality and the empowerment of black women and men, uh, but specifically black women, that's where she really got her start, mm-hmm. really concentrating on black women. Um, Sister Yana now offers a, a message of faith and self-knowledge uh, and, uh, and acknowledges the courage of black men in the struggles and crises that we face, as well as the victories that we face in today's society, teaching black men as much as she can and from her perspective, to recognize and to tap the energy of our own spirits. And uh, Sister Vassant uses a brilliant and transforming blend of ancient African spirituality and practical self-help advice. And also she incorporates a certain amount of contemporary faith to help black men and uh, the women who love them to be able to nurture the strength and power that is our birthright. So she states that within uh, this chapter titled On the Backs of Those Who Came Before Us, that often she often tells people that we know everything that we need to know in this life. In other words, in this lifetime, anything that needs to be known for us to be successful, for our journey to be complete, that we already know in our in our DNA, we know because we are not um, actually because we are connected to the first father and the first mother. We know because, along with that, the breath of God is our substance in life. We know because there is only one mind, one life, one spirit. And I often share with you about that concept of this, the oneness. Uh, I use the analogy of the ocean, that uh, there is one ocean, uh, given different names in different parts of the world, but all the lakes, all the rivers go into this ocean. And there's this certain sense of oneness. So just like we all have an individual soul, uh, there is this one soul once you become cognizant of that fact that, indeed, uh, our body contains something, depending on what school of thought you come from, some six trillion uh, cells that make up our body, and each individual cell has its own consciousness, and uh, that the same thing applies with us as spiritual beings. We have this individual soul, but this soul is uh, connected to the Godhead, connected to that one God, to that one entity, to the universe, as it were. So uh, she goes on to state that spiritual science teaches that there are no new spirits. We are all embodiments of one spirit, which has lived many times and in many places. And there is no new birth. There is only one continuous existence on many different planes. And that each person living today is the genetic composite continuation of blood lineage ancestors, those who have lived before you and are represented by the shape of 
your head and the structure of your body. We have the propensity to like or dislike certain foods, environments, and certain types of stimulations based on the intangible energies that live in our cells and tissues. You have been taught that you can inherit disease, mental and emotional limitations. You have been taught also that you inherit memory. You have a cellular ancestral memory that lives and moves in your bloodstream, contributing to who you are and how you approach life and ultimately how you live your life. And my wife and I always state that we have to be very careful of people, places, and things. I have grown a tune, and I must sit back up a moment. Uh, there's a, a, a brother in my life who passed on recently who's been in my life for most of my manhood, and a brother named Jitsu Buyusi, uh, who's a renowned uh, leader and educator and spiritualist uh, within the community of Brooklyn, New York. And he passed away a few days ago, uh, I think this past Thursday, and he and I always connected. We didn't see each other as often as I would have liked, of his, as he would have liked, but whenever we did connect, invariably we would spend quality time with one another. And through him, I was able to recognize, even without him telling me, that it behooved me to uh, really recognize the greatness within myself because uh, he recognized it, and he was able to emulate this type of energy and this type of connection with anyone that he ran into or came in contact with. And um, I remember him telling me at one time how similar our life's backgrounds were and that we were able to simultaneously, or should I say, um, to collectively and individually face these challenges in our life and, and within our family and still surge ahead and still be able to rise above whatever obstacles we may have had in our way that would be holding us back from realizing our purpose in this life. I must give credit also to my wife who... Uh, has been in my life and has allowed me, and I use the word selectively, allowed me, because sometimes we don't allow each other to do certain things in terms of our journey. We put obstacles in, in, in their way, sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly. But uh, from my being blessed with having her in my life, I've been able to uh, realize a certain fulfillment in terms of my purpose. And as a matter of fact, it's an ongoing process and this show is actually a aspect of that process because of the fact that, indeed, um, as I review books such as uh, The Spirit of a Man and, and, and various uh, great, renowned authors such as Sister Ayana Vasant, um, I have the, uh, the privilege and the blessing of having what's residing within me dormant to come to fore and to cease to be dormant, but really to flower in terms of uh, coming to the surface of my intellectual, emotional, and spiritual consciousness. So I benefit just as much from this as those of you who are listening. And, of course, there are people in our communities throughout the African diaspora and, indeed, throughout the world who cannot read, who don't have access to these types of books, who might not have even thought about purchasing or going to a library and picking up a book like this, but a virtue 
by virtue of listening to this program, going to the archives if you're not listening currently live, that you're able to have aha moments, hopefully, that will resonate within you and say, yes, I am on the right path. Or if you're not on the right path, and now you have found a, a, um, a, a GPS, to use the analogy, you found something that's able to give you direction so that you can get on the path or get back on the path, as it will, towards self-realization. So she goes on to state that many of your mental and emotional experiences are not yours alone. You are in part influenced by the experiences of your ancestors. You live with an unconscious memory of who they were and what they did. And much of the anger and the animosity, and she's speaking to us black men, as this book is intended for, those of us who are in a state of anger, those of us who are in a state of animosity, she goes on to state that your experience today towards the dominant population was experienced by every ancestor in your cellular line. The fear is there. The hate is there. However, the instinctual cultural memory of greatness, wholeness, pride, and honor is also there. Those of us alive today work from a cultural foundation that was born thousands of years ago. The challenge you face today is in learning to move beyond the anger, fear, hate, and social rejection to express the inborn greatness that we all have. The memory of greatness lies dormant in your spirit, waiting to be called forward and activated. The attempt to follow the uh, mandates of a culture foreign to your inherent nature and cellular memory can result in low self-esteem and self Sabotage. And let's go over that for a moment. The attempt to follow the mandates of a culture foreign to your inherent nature and cellular memory can result in low self-esteem and self-sabotage. And this is something that my brother Jitu and I would talk about. He started out as a teacher in his young adult life in terms of choosing a profession. And he just happened to be in an area of Brooklyn that was dealing with a, uh, a, a challenge for teachers to recognize that we and our community were following a mandate of a culture that was foreign to us. And what he found out, he and his um, uh, uh, colleagues, fellow teachers, realized that the way that they were taught to teach was not beneficial to us as a people, to those of us from the African diaspora. So he was able to uh, marshal a, 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 uh, a group, a co-founded a group that approached the government of New York City, the mayor's office, and so forth, and they challenged the precepts that they had been long um, comfortable with um, promoting within the communities in terms of a European mindset, a European mandate in terms of teaching our children. And uh, this migrated uh, across uh, the eastern seacoast and indeed across the country. Uh, he even organized in Columbia University, uh, the Teachers College, a mandate for change. 
So that was the beginning of me becoming very uh, socially aware and politically aware of how it behooves us to not just accept things that are given to us piecemeal as being a full meal, but often, even if it's a full meal, understanding whether or not this meal is nourishing and beneficial to the benefit of our body as a whole to keep us healthy. So we're in a state right now through shows like this. My wife has her show. I have a show, and there are thousands of others who are on uh, shows like, uh, should I say, social networks such as Blog Talk Radio who are sharing this knowledge. And myself as an elder, I am optimistic. I have hope and faith that indeed we will turn this around so that, as Sister Yana states in her book, we will be able to reactivate the memory of greatness that lies dormant in our spirit. It is just waiting to be called, as she states, waiting to be called forward and activated. So uh, I have right now, we'd like to take a moment to take a break, and please stay with me, and we'll be right back. It is the recognition of the intangible, 
It is the recognition of the spiritual force within your being that contributes to your ability to live fully. And without the energy of the ancestors, you would have no connection to the beginning, no story to tell, no heritage of which to boast. You are today the energy of who your ancestors were. They are today who you are becoming. So that's very deep. If we recognize that we are, as a result of who our ancestors were, and that you are today the energy of who your ancestors were, and they are today who you are becoming, then we have a certain reverence towards ourselves and respect ourselves. And then by respecting and loving ourselves, we're able to respect and love others, primarily respecting our parents, our grandparents, our siblings, respecting our significant other. As men, we respecting our wives. As women, respecting your husband, respecting our children. And then, of course, there's a reciprocity that comes into effect. The children now respect their parents and respect each other, respect the elders and so forth because they recognize they're very much in tune with this continuity, this continuous connection with our ancestors. So she also goes on to state that the ancestral memory, while it is called something very different today, every society honors its ancestors in almost every aspect of life. Societies build, they build monuments to their ancestors, they build buildings, streets, and schools after them, Titring deceased leaders on currency is a form of ancestral worship. The most recent president of the United States, uh, actually this is not, at this time it was at this point she was mentioning Bill Clinton, performed a major ancestral ritual on national television before his inauguration. The majority of those who watched had absolutely no idea what he was doing. And those of us, she states, who recognize the ritual when we see a ritual done, we did understand that President Clinton retraced the path that Thomas Jefferson took from his home to the White House. Along the way, he walked across the Potomac River, the sweet water and energy of purification. He stopped at the grave sites of several other presidents where he lit a candle and knelt down to pray. This evidence and this exercise was not solely a political or patriotic gesture. It was a spiritual ritual. He was calling on the forces of nature, fire, water, and the transmission of spoken word, and the energy of memory of those men who paved the way for him. He continued in the, the communal of reference to the ancestors. And when the president-elect did it, it was considered nice, appropriately patriotic. But when black people light candles and call the names of their ancestors, it is called evil or voodoo worship. And unfortunately, many of us believe that it is. In your most ancient cellular memory is the history of African men being looked up to, bowed down to, revered, honored, respected because they were men. They were the leaders, the decision makers, 
that was their that was actually their role, and it was not, however, without balance. The ancient African men, in return for his position in the community, honored the role of woman because they provided the much needed spiritual and emotional balance. Men understood that the reverence that they received was not about them. Men were held in high regard because of the functions they served and the roles they played, which benefited the entire community. The bowing was not to them or for them as individuals, but rather to the positions that they held. And that memory is alive today in the spirit of black men. There is a need and a desire to once again enjoy a position of reverence and honor. Today, however, there's little understanding and balance in the pursuit of this position. Black men have a robust assertiveness that today is often mistaken for arrogance. It plays out when you are demanding or commanding that your needs be met, your desires fulfilled. She goes on to state that she can remember how her mother challenged her father about demanding that she drop whatever she was doing and focus her attention on him. And she often asked him why she should, and his response was, because I said so. Prompted her response, well, who the H are you? It It can be abrupt and disconcerting to deal with a black man who does not have a philosophical or spiritual understanding of his assertive propensity. And black women must live with, but also do not understand the role that ancestral memories play in our lives. And they then thusly label our men arrogant, demanding, and macho. We do not remember being spoken to with such disrespect. The demands of the men are no longer centered on the we of our common survival. More than likely, they stem from the man's fear, anger, and aggression which he believes he has the right to impose. So that says a lot, and I must recognize at this point that indeed myself, I understand that the women in my life, uh, my mother, my sisters, and especially my dear sister Dinis, who is the eldest of the two sisters I have, um, she's always has had this continence, this, this, uh, this sense of bearing, of knowing who she is as a woman, and in, in enforcing with me the respect and understanding that I would have towards her as a woman of African descent. My wife, the same thing. Uh, and I've often prayed to have these type of women in my life so that indeed I can be kept in check and to be able to understand that, yes, my woman in my life should be respected as queens and to be looked up to. Because because of them, am I alive? My mother gave birth to me, and I'm very clear about that. I'm very humbled with that understanding because I recognize that so many men do not really recognize that energy and that um, that reality from whence we came. And indeed, it was the African woman who gave birth to this world. It stemmed from Africa. So if we keep that in our our consciousness and with with humility and graciousness, then we're on our way to understanding what Sister Ayana Basant states when she talks about 
the ancestral royalty who ruled the vi a village, kingdoms, and nations imparted certain rights to black men, and the right to be respected, to be heard, to be obeyed without question or challenge was a function of culture and communal tradition, and that today, without the benefit of a supportive cultural context or the temperance gained through ritual, ceremony, and training, the ancient spiritual directiveness that once gave black men the right to rule are polluted motivations to dominate and pursue individual gain. So at this point, I'm going to stop, but I'm so happy that I was able to, on this Sunday evening, to share this profound wisdom and observation of us as people of African descent, and specifically as African men. So I end as I begin by giving praise and homage to the One Most High, to the God Most High, to our ancestors, to our community, to my family, to my mother-in-law, to my siblings, and to my lovely wife. I give you a farewell. Peace, love, and abundance. Shalom, assalamu alaikum, hetepu, all my relations. Have a blessed week.